This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And I tend to be Jason. He t- he tends to be once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> this is The Talking Dead podcast number 303, recorded Monday, January 16, 2017. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's a special episode of the podcast because we're going to mostly not talk about The Walking Dead this time. Mostly. Yeah, mostly. I... I I always get a little uh, nervous if we if we do a whole podcast where we don't talk about it at all because that okay. is our, our mandate, right? And uh, well, let's let's get it out of the way then. The Walking Dead is a television show on AMC, uh, pretty much about zombies and surviving in a post apocalyptic world. And uh, we have a group of survivors that uh, go through trials and tribulations and uh, generally come out ahead, but unhappy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I think you've I think you've nailed it. Although I don't know if it was I don't know if it's about zombies as much anymore as it used to be. That's why I said pretty much. Or if it was ever really that much about zombies. They're there. Set with a backdrop of uh undead walking around trying to eat people. The show contains zombies. It does. I'll, I'll give it that. And sometimes it even uh, in the show uh the zombies are contained for a little while, but they never are contained forever. No, not forever. That would be silly. Anyways, we will talk about The Walking Dead a little bit at the end of the program, I think, but it sort of depends on how long this goes. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, the first thing we are going to do is just remind everyone, as I have been doing a lot, every episode really, about our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. And I'm going to play another entry we have here. Now, this is a weird one. It's a bit long, and so I'll probably only play part of it. And I must admit, I really wish... I could play all of it, but it's a bit difficult to listen to. And I don't mean that because <laughs> I don't mean that because it's bad, but you'll you'll see what I mean. So such um, a buildup. Well, now I'm I'm curious and excited. Well and a little little worried. Well, let's see. Let's see what you say after this. So this comes from Stephen York in Canberra, Australia. Alright now, all of you listen. <laughs> don't any of you do that again. I will shut that shit down, no exceptions. First one is free. It is an emotional moment. I get it. Sucks, does it not? The moment you realize you do not know shit. This is your kid, right? Oh. This is definitely your kid. <laughs> Stop this! Hey, do not make me kill the little future serial exterminator. Do not make it easy on me. All right, so that, of course, <laughs> was um, the Negan scene from Season 7, Episode 1, as performed by a Dalek from Doctor Who. Absolutely perfect. It was awesome. It It, it is quite something really it's i just found it difficult to listen to the whole uh two minutes and 30 seconds or so of um 
of a Dalek delivering those lines. Yeah. Well, that's how I hear the world before I have my first cup of coffee in the morning. So it's perfectly normal for me to <laughs> hear things like that. Really? That's it? Just Daleks <laughs> everywhere? It's just, it's all, it's kind of choppy. It's not quite, uh, it's not quite English. Uh, you know, it's, it all sounds kind of weird. And then I get a cup of coffee in me and then all the gears in my, uh, all four cylinders in my brain start firing uh-huh. and I, I'm good to go. Only a four-cylinder brain on you, eh? Yeah. In the morning, there's only like one cylinder going, and then there's another cylinder that's kind of working against the first one. So <laughs> get the coffee get the coffee going, and get it turned over, and everything's running good. Everything's better after that. Okay. Well, that thank you, Stephen York and Canberra, Australia, for that. Um, I think the whole point there is that, you know, this Record Your Favorite Scene contest, you can be creative. You can do you know, your interpretation of the scene. And this was Negan or Dalek Negan performing those lines and, uh, you know, about to smash some heads in. So uh, that's very cool. And thanks for sending it in, Stephen. If you want to send it in, pick your favorite scene from any episode of The Walking Dead from the seven seasons we've seen so far. Uh, It can also be something coming up in the second half of the season of season seven because the contest is open until this season ends. And uh, record it by yourself or with your friends, however you want to do it, and then send it in to us. And uh, Jason and I will pick our favorite at the, end of the, at the end of the season, and you'll win a big fancy prize pack that includes lots of cool stuff. And growing all the time. Yeah, growing all the time. I haven't added anything into it since last week, but uh, I'm sure Just- something else will come along. You've been adding love and expectations is what you've been adding. <laughs> I guess so. You'll, you'll get all of our love if you're the winner. We don't get a lot of uh, impressionist uh, entries in the uh, Record Your Favorite Scene where you actually do impressions. Like, Can you imagine doing a scene between uh, Rick and Negan where uh, Rick is uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Negan is uh, Burt Reynolds? I think that'd be awesome. That would be an excellent scene. See, just as an example. You're giving people some brilliant ideas here, Jason. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's all good. I like that. I like that. So it can be an impression. It can be an interpretation of the scene, or you can try to play it as close to the way it was on the show as possible. Um, Sometimes in past years, we've had ones done by parents and their kids, or even sometimes just kids. And those are great too, because kids, you never know what they're going to say or do. Yep. And uh, it's it's super fun. So get some more entries in, folks. Uh, I know it'll pick up again probably when Season 7 comes back and everybody's listening again. But uh, if you want to send it in now, you can do that anytime. And you, and you know what? You can send in more than one if you'd like. Um, if you're going to flood us with like 500 entries, that's not going to help your cause at all, I don't think. But if right. you want to do a couple of scenes, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, cool. So that's fine. Okay, now the next thing we're going to do before we talk about The Walking Dead is what the whole episode here today is mostly about, and that is that we are going to talk about Black Mirror White Christmas. I just broke the Black Mirror, Jason. You broke it. I just picked it up and I dropped it and it smashed. Didn't you hear it? I did. I, I heard that. But uh, first, bef- what you did to break it was you played the uh, the beginning of a 24 episode. Really? I've never watched 24, but the, the opening sound effects of a 24 episode are very similar to the first second and a half of that. 
Okay, well, that's the opening sound from Black Mirror. <laughs> but if it's like 24, I did, I couldn't have told you that. I don't know. Well, it is. Okay, I You're going to have you. to believe me and or look it up on the internet. I trust you. So, Black Mirror. It is a TV show that started on uh, Channel 4 in the UK. I believe Channel 4. And it's written and created by a guy named Charlie Brooker. They did a couple of short seasons in the UK before Netflix picked it up, brought it over to America, and has have done a third season of six episodes. Now, why are we talking about Black Mirror? Wouldn't you like to know? I already know, but maybe our listeners would like to know. Well, one of our listeners, Sean, in New York, made an extremely generous donation to us on Patreon. If you visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, you can check out the sort of reward levels that we have there. And one of them, at the higher end, is gives you the ability to choose something for us to basically talk about and review on the show. And that can be a movie, a couple episodes of TV, in theory, like a book or something too, but that might be uh, take us a little longer if we have to read a whole book, but like short story would be great. But uh, we're mostly sticking to movie and TV shows. And Sean in New York did that. He, you know, joined up Patreon at that level, and he wanted us to talk about Black Mirror White Christmas, which is the, the way I see it is a standalone episode of Black Mirror that was a Christmas special, but I think Netflix has grouped it into season two. Yeah, season two. Now, this is a standard thing in the UK where they have, you know, Doctor Who does Christmas episodes every year and other shows will do Christmas episodes. So this is what this is. And I don't, I, you know, and I also take kind of a, an exception to short seasons. Also in uh, in the UK, when they put out a, a series of television shows, there's sometimes there's only three episodes. Sherlock only has uh, three episodes per season or uh, series, as they call it over there. Uh, so, you know, it's perfectly acceptable to just have three episodes that yeah. are completely distinct and standalone. And then they do a new series and a new series and add on a Christmas special and all kinds of good stuff. Sure. I mean, they typically do do shorter seasons of uh, TV shows in the UK. Three is pretty short by any standard, though. So they did three, three, and then Netflix did six. And this one, this Christmas special came in the middle. Um, but it's an anthology show. So each episode is completely standalone. In theory, you could watch them in it in any order you wanted. Yeah. Um, which lends itself to, you know, three episodes per season, sort of, I think anyways. Um, so, but Black Mirror falls in between season two and season three, but on Netflix, at least here in North America, Canada and the US, uh, it's grouped in with season two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a white Christmas. You said Black Mirror, but you meant White Christmas. Uh, I did, um, yeah. but but I love that title, Black Mirror, White Christmas. It is, it's a yeah. great, you know, uh, rolls off the tongue really well. It's a good juxtaposition between black and white. You can't get any more uh, opposite yeah. than that. So floating opposites, yeah. It's it's good. I really like it quite a bit. Anyways, Sean in New York wanted us to talk about this. We're going to review it. So first of all, huge thank you goes out to Sean for you know joining Patreon at that level and. Um, choosing this for us to talk about. So White Christmas stars John Hamm and another guy who, if I didn't look up his name, would have just told you that he's one of the Andes. <laughs> right. <laughs> because he played one of the characters named Andy in uh, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, yeah. Which is a Simon Pegg movie directed by Edgar Wright and a movie I love. In one, Go watch it. Maybe in my top 10 movies of all time, Hot Fuzz. 
And this guy I know from Hot Fuzz, he played one of the Andes, and that'll make more sense if you've seen the movie. Yeah, well, what you should do is go see that movie and then watch uh, this, you know, White Christmas from Black Mirror, and then you'll know what Chris is talking about, and it will be delightful for you. (laughs) It will. Now, you may also know this, Jason, but this guy, his name is, his real name is Rafe Spall. He Mm -hmm. also played Sean's co-worker at the, like, the stereo shop in Sean of the Dead. Nice. The guy who tells him he's got red on him. Nice. I did not know that. That one I did not knew. No. (laughs) I did did not knew that. (laughs) Good. Uh, Speaking hard. I'm having a hard day. You'll practice your uh, past tense conjugations later, but uh, for now you did not knew it. You know, English is my first language, but you would know it. Wouldn't know it. (laughs) I'm screwed. Anyways. Long uh, day. John Hamm and Rafe Spall. It also stars Una Chaplin, who you might remember from Game of Thrones. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, although I have a hard time remembering anyone from Game of Thrones, except for the like real main top level core characters, because it just feels like there's a lot of characters on that show. So, oh, there's so many characters and most of them die. I wouldn't have recognized Una Chaplin from Game of Thrones, to be honest, if, uh, it hadn't been pointed out to me and then I went and looked her up. So, so what, what should we do here, Jason? We are going to spoil this episode of Black Mirror. Um, but, uh, I think maybe if we can, let's try to just give some quick general thoughts overall on it, and then maybe get into like the details a little bit. So what did you think, what's your history with Black Mirror as a show? And what did you think of White Christmas? Okay, so history of Black Mirror is I watched the first season of this a couple of years ago when it first came out, and I did not like it. I uh, I, I watched the first, uh, the three episodes in the first season, and I just, I, I don't know whether it was the mood I was in or if it was the place I was in my life, but I watched it and I, I, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't like, I just did not like it. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I kind of knew in the back of my head that there were other seasons coming out. And then I saw it on Netflix and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't like that show. I'm not going to watch this. But then, you know, this opportunity came up and I started watching uh, White Christmas and I just flat out loved it. And then I watched the rest of, uh, like, they Netflix released season two and season three, or released White Christmas, and that's it for season two, and then released season three. And I watched uh, this and loved it, and I watched all of season three and loved it. And now I'm looking forward to go back, going back and watching the rest of season two, which they've added to Netflix. And uh, I'm going to go back and watch season one, so and maybe I'll actually enjoy it. That's amazing. So I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say you didn't like season one the first time you watched it. Um, I can, I can understand that to a degree. The first episode of season one is extremely bizarre and weird and kind of shocking. And I could see how it would turn people off based on its subject matter. Um, but the second one, and especially I think the third one, which was called the entire history of you, I thought were really great. That third one was really, really amazing. So but but that being said, I, I've been hooked on this show since the beginning, since I started watching it like you a couple of years ago. Um, but my history with White Christmas is funny. I watched White Christmas one time when it came out, which I think was 2014, just before Christmas uh, a couple of years ago. And I actually fell asleep during it. Now, that is not a commentary on the quality of the episode because I think I was it was late and I was just really tired and I sat down on the couch and I closed my eyes for a second and after that it was all over. So, I was watching it with my wife. She stayed up for it. I she woke me up at the end and said, "What did you think?" I'm like, "Um, 
I don't know. I fell she asleep. didn't know you were asleep? Well, I guess not. She was focused on the episode. But she told me it was really good. You got to watch that again. And so I said, okay, I will someday, you know, never got around to it, never got around to it. And then Sean came along and said, you got to watch Black Mirror, White Christmas. And I thought, great, perfect opportunity to watch it again. I watched it again this week and I also loved it. So yeah, that's, good. That's good. Yeah, so good. good. Um, it's not my favorite episode of Black Mirror. And I'll probably, you know, maybe at the end, we'll, we can talk about our favorite episodes of Black Mirror just briefly, but it is up there, which is not saying too much because I think they're all quite good. There's one or two that I think didn't work quite as well, but on the whole, I think Black Mirror is a fantastic TV show and I will watch it, you know, as long as Charlie Brooker keeps making it. So, um, yeah, White Christmas, amazing. I thought everything about it was really, really, really awesome. And, uh, you know, including the two, two lead stars in it, John Hamm, who, who I, you know, everyone knows from Mad Men, of course. Yep. And that could be distracting in a way because you think, oh, look, it's John, it's Don Draper on the screen the whole time. It, it's not, but it's not. And even and, though they did a callback to John Don Draper, <laughs> we both called him John already. <laughs> I, I know. I yeah. I think maybe you poisoned me. What What was Don, the callback? Well, when he said uh, where uh, he was telling in the first part of like the the episode was broken into three parts. The first part when he was uh, in the uh, in the eyes and the ears of that guy doing dating thing yep uh we're spoiling this right we've decided that already i said we're spoiling it yeah all right so what he when he was picking out the clothes he said uh, wear a white shirt with a black tie and a slim cut black jacket it's classic and uh and simple and that's that's exactly what don draper would wear i guess so i'm not sure is that really a callback to it, don draper it really i think so i thought it was it was very don draper for him to say that because okay. that's the kind of thing that he that uh, that Don would wear in uh, in the '60s on Madison Avenue. That's true. That's true. He would wear that kind of thing a, uh, a slim cut gray jacket, I think it was. And you see Don Draper yeah. in a lot of gray suits. Yeah. So you're so you're right. This is sort of plays out in three parts, and I think the way it does that, and the way it slowly reveals mostly information about the John Hamm character whose name was Matt in the episode, mm -hmm. the way it slowly reveals information about him is just brilliant. This episode is mostly about him, mostly about his character and how he ends up the way he ends up, you know, what his life has been like to get him to that point and what kind of person he's been like throughout his life and how the technology in this world, this future world, ish, you know, semi near future world works, how it has, how he's used it, abused it, and how it's influenced his ability to, to live his life. And I think that was really, really masterfully portrayed in the three parts to this episode. Absolutely. And I agree with you. And I was going to make that point myself that, uh, the way they wove this story and these characters, especially the John Hamm, Matt character, uh, was masterful. It was really well done. And, uh, the ending, I think, tied it all together rather nicely. Like his character with the technology and the ramifications uh, was was genius. And it's not, and they don't hit you over the head with it, right? They let it, they let it play out slowly. They don't, um, it's funny, you know, these two guys are, maybe we should go over the basic sort of plot concept here. These two guys are in what you, what is seemingly a remote 
location of some kind in the middle of nowhere in like the Arctic or some sort of Hoth-like snow planet, right? <laughs> of course. And You know, if you're going to have a, a story in a, in a cabin, you, you put it on Hoth. Of course. And they've been there together for five years. They don't really know each other because the one guy, the other guy, um, Rafe Spall, his character was Joe, I think. He doesn't talk much. You know, they've never gotten to know each other. And so it's Christmas. And John Hamm's character wants to finally get to know him. So the way it's presented is these two guys are sitting at a table in a kitchen talking, kind of telling each other their story. And it's it's genius. So it starts out with with uh, John Hamm's character telling him about the way he used to essentially kind of be like a dating coach using the technology that they have in this in this uh, world, which involves eye implants that allow someone else to see through your eyes and have two-way voice communication. Well, I don't think it's just for that. I think that the, the technology that is, uh, we need to talk about the technology in this world, that they've uh, they've woven for us. It's a um, basically you have a phone like a, a smartphone in your head. Right. Like you could everything when you're looking at someone, you can just simply take a picture, right? And it's using the technology like either the eye implants or eye replacements, and same with the uh, the audio. So the audio uh, can be replaced. Like you can manipulate the signal coming in audio and video, and you can use it to broadcast. Similar to like it's uh, it's like a, a video call on your phone, right? Similar kind of thing, but everything's implanted in your head, right? And you can control it with like a like a little finger dial almost, right? It's yeah. like there's no physical dial, I don't think, but you can select camera mode or video mode or or whatever from your hand, and that's yeah. what's coming out of your eyes. It's kind of cool, like it's extremely cool, if a little bit frightening. <laughs> well, I've been looking forward to this kind of thing for quite some time. Like I, and I, I wanted to talk about the, the technology here because um, I used to play a game called Shadowrun, which is a role-playing game. I think I've mentioned it on the, uh, on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, a tabletop role-playing game that is set in, uh, originally it was set in 2055 and then 2057 and then 2060 or whatever. Uh, so it's the future. Uh, mega corporations have taken over. They've gained extraterritoriality, which means the corporations have, they're basically not part of a country anymore that they have their their own country they don't have to obey country laws they just they have their own laws they have their own police force blah 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 technology has gotten to the point where you can do uh eye replacements re- completely replace your eyes with a technological versions replace an arm with a technological version your uh your hearing with that so you, and phones were implanted as well so you could make a phone call without actually having to pick up a phone and uh so I've been, ever since that, this was in the mid-90s, maybe even early 90s. Oh God, it was the early 90s. Holy crap. Um, I've been wanting an implanted cell phone ever since. It's like, it's like I'm looking <laughs> forward to the day that I don't have to carry around a phone anymore, that everything will be a heads-up display on my eyes. I can take a picture without actually having to pick up a camera. I can make a phone call without actually picking up a phone. I can record audio, all that kind of stuff. I've been looking forward to this technology for quite some time. And if they ever do an implanted cell phone uh, trial, I'm signing up for it. That's that's risky move, but I guess someone's got to do it. Well, I figure the, uh, at some point I'm going to become a cyborg. You know, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's know, inevitable. The, Why not start? It's now? inevitable. I'm going to transfer my consciousness into a, into some kind of robotic, uh, uh, you know, technological thing, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I figure one step at a time. 
I got glasses. That's the first step. Right. Right. Yep. I guess. <laughs> I got a cell phone that I, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> augmentation. It's the augmented reality is the way I look at it. Right. It's, you know, my eyes don't quite work the way they used to. So I have to augment my reality so that uh, they, uh, I can see uh, like everybody else. I will take that step to get an implanted cell phone. You know, if they had uh, replacement, like fully articulated replacement arms, and they were doing a trial where they wanted to lop off my a perfectly good arm and put on a cybernetic one, I know I might sign up because wow. you know I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for cyborg. I'm ready to become a cyborg. You have been for a long time. You are a pioneer, Jason. You're going to make the world a better place for all of us. <laughs> yeah, by having your I'll- limbs removed. <laughs> I also decided in my early 20s that uh, if they ever did a colony on Mars kind of thing and they were looking for volunteers, I would go. Like well, I would be in the first group. I'd get on that ship. I'd go to Mars. It's a, it's That's a reality now, you know. Well, I know. I mean, there's no way that they're going to accept me now. Like <laughs> you're, you're what, a, you're a 40 something, uh, you know, programmer of some kind. Yep. You know how much it would cost to get you into orbit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's sorry, sir. It's just too expensive. You're just too darn heavy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just too fat. So, <laughs> Anyways. Um, what was I saying? The cyborg, yes. Cyborg. Technology, You're- good. Replacement eyes. Uh, I, I really like that technology where uh, the, the portrayal of technology in White Christmas where, uh, you know, it was just, it's just part of reality that you have these, uh, you know, these implants that allow you to, to do this kind of stuff. We probably should have started off by saying, in case anyone's not familiar with Black Mirror, it's basically a science fiction, near future kind of... Um, examination of technology in an anthology format. That's what the show is. Yeah. It takes a look at some aspect of our lives right now and extrapolates, you know, one aspect to it into the future and examines the ramifications of doing that or the possible ramifications. And and, it, and some of the episodes feel very familiar, right? They take like a social media concept and expand it into the next 20, 30, 50 years, something like yeah. that, right? This well, is what could happen if you take this particular part of social, uh, you know, social media and move that into the future. And this is how fucked you're going to be if you don't put it, you know, put some checks and balances on that shit. Right. So that's what we, what we have here. So, um, I think the, you know, they call it ZI or ZI in the, in the episode, um, which is, as you've described it, you sort of eye augmented reality implants or something like that. They can do all kinds of amazing things. The other, the other technology that's important to this episode is the idea of the, um, the cookie, they call it, yep. where someone's consciousness is transferred into basically a small storage device that's called a cookie. And then that's put into a physical device where your consciousness becomes an artificial intelligence or sort of artificial intelligence within a physical device and it's used to make your life easier because it kind of is you in a an electronic device right the way i saw it was that it the you know the cookie is a an artificial intelligence and they implant it into your brain in order to learn about you right. and then when they extract it basically is a copy of your brain in an artificial intelligence form. Right. And what they do, and they put it in this thing, and then it becomes your virtual assistant, but it's kind of like you helping yourself. So that copy of you is 
keeping your calendar, you know, in uh, in order, and it's making sure your alarm's set the right time in the morning, so the real you doesn't have to worry about all this trivial day-to-day BS, whereas yep. the fake you is taking care of it. I think that would be uh, great in some aspects if I could take that cookie, get it out of my brain, put it in the little stupid egg, put the st- stupid egg on the desk and say, okay, from now on, you're doing my job. You're you're responsible for doing the goddamn work. Right. I'm going to go play baseball. And if I, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, make my toast when I get back. <laughs> Have my coffee ready and waiting when I get back. That's right. Interesting. Well, I I don't know. I think both of these technologies are really neat, and I think they're really cool, um, really cool ideas to examine. But both are presented in this episode of Black Mirror as kind of terrifying. the The eye thing, sure, it's neat, and you can take a picture, and you can do everything with your eyes, and it's an implanted like smartphone in your face. But the way you can block people. So that, you know, your eyes basically just can't see and your ears can't hear specific individuals. And the way that's portrayed in this episode a few times is terrifying. Well, it's not terrifying. I don't find it terrifying. I find it more ridiculous. No. Oh, absolutely ridiculous. Because uh, if you were in an argument with someone uh, and you blocked them, would that dissipate the argument or escalate the argument? Well, it would probably escalate the argument, but I, I get what you're saying. But the way it's used in this episode is is terrifying. The fact that someone can basically just turn you off and there's nothing you can do about it is is frightening and maddening, I think. And it's a good, yes, absolutely. And it's a good way to escalate an argument so that if you, know, if you can't see me and I want to get through to you, I'm going to do something where it's like, I'm going to write on the walls. I'm going to start throwing shit. Uh, you won't be able to see me throwing a punch if it comes to that. <laughs> like it, uh, it really is going to make things uh, a bad situation into a terrible situation where the cops are going to be called. Well, that's pretty much the only outcome from that kind of thing. Cause he's just like, Oh no, don't block me. Don't block me. Oh, it's like, Oh, you blocked me. What are you going to do? I'm going to go sulk in the corner. Okay. okay. It's, I, it, you know the arguments that they've uh, they've used for blocking, they would just they would escalate into domestic violence in no time flat. Yeah, you're probably right. You you are absolutely right. But the way it's presented in this episode is, I still found just just terrifying. Especially yeah. what happens to you know Matt John Hamm's character at the end, um, where where he's where the entire world is blocked to him, basically. He'll never interact with another human being again. I mean, he would probably be driven insane at record speed if that if he, if that was actually his experience in life. Well, not only blocked, right? Because he was his avatar was red. Right. Like he, it was like everybody knows that this guy should be shunned as well because he's a bad guy and he's never going to be able to buy a loaf of bread. For the rest of his life, he's going to die. It seems like a cruel and unusual punishment. So the way this plays out is he he uses the eye technology at the beginning of the episode to help guys meet girls, basically, right? He gets in their head and he tells them what to say and he, he tells them to be confident. He's got a panel of other dudes like up on a screen. They're all watching. They're all paying attention. And what he's trying to do is help shy guys meet girls and take and go home with them, right? 
It all goes wrong because one of his clients ends up with a woman who turns out to be a little on the crazy side, and she ends up poisoning him and murdering him while they're all watching. Also from Game of Thrones. She's from Game of Thrones too? She's from Game of Thrones. What was her... Uh... The actress is yeah. Natalia Tena. Tena. Yeah, she was in... Uh, she's one of the wildlings. Oh, yeah. That's right. Wildling Osha. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So... All the British actors are in Game of Thrones, right? Like, it's just, it's inevitable. It's either they're in Game of Thrones or they're going to be in the upcoming season. <laughs> or they're going to be in Game of Thrones. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, they basically, he's helping this guy. They witness the murder of, of him, of his client. And he doesn't report that. And eventually, that comes back to bite him in the ass at the end of the episode. He ends up being a criminal. And you're right. He's blocked. And his, like, blocked avatar is, is red. So, people know they should stay away from him. Yeah. And I just found that whole concept just so frightening because whether or not this technology would ever be used like this or it is ridiculous or not, it was scary to me. And I'm like, you could be walking down the street and people could, someone who, who for no reason can just block you and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. I didn't like it at all. It was no. tragic. I found the whole episode extremely tragic. John Hamm's character and the other guy, Joe, even more so. Yeah, I I found it uh, I I found it ridiculous. I'm sorry. I I just I thought that you know it's a good idea for online stuff, but in reality, it just it would escalate into domestic violence so fast that they'd uh, have to you know double the police force just to deal with blocking situations. You know, you know how frustrating it is when somebody just says, talk to the hand, not that people do that anymore, but, you know, talk to the hand. And... <laughs> it's, it's the virtual equivalent of talk to the hand. Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the absolute version. You know, it's, it's taken talk to the hand to the nth degree where it's just like, no, you're blocked. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. You know, it's, it's like two kids, you know, if you have one kid block another kid, uh, they're going to start throwing shovels at each other. I don't know why shovels. <laughs> well, it's because that's what they had. They were digging a hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. This was basically what I played with as a kid with a shovel. Right here, here's your, you know, shovel. <laughs> you had such a childhood, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. But maybe the the act of blocking prevents people from physically harming each other too. Maybe there's something wow. built in. I don't know, but. I it, would set a trap. It, I wouldn't just, you know, throw a punch or anything like that. I'd probably, oh, you blocked me? Fine. I'm going to passive aggressively set a trap for you. The next time you walk out that door, <laughs> there's going to be a goddamn bear trap there. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm going to rig a bowling ball above this door so when you open it, it falls on you, you bastard. Well, not just falls on you, but like spits out and then, you know, with the, you know, the correct uh, uh, length of string so that it whacks you right in the testicles. <laughs> You know, a bowling ball to the testicles, you know, I'll teach you to block me, you bastard. <laughs> well, you clearly have this all figured out, but I didn't take it to all these crazy levels. I just was horrified by the idea. Right. Um, so this is, and, and this is how the episode plays out. First, we think that John Hamm is just this like guy who's kind of sleazy and goes to pick and helps guys pick up girls to take them home. Um, then we find out his actual job. I, wouldn't, I don't think he was sleazy. You know, if I could have John Hamm in my head telling me what to do to pick up girls when I was in my 20s, I would I would definitely pay good money for that. I, I I'd pay hard, cold cash money for that kind of the whole, support. No, come on. The whole idea of this is a little bit, 
is a little bit invasive. Like it's one thing to to talk to someone and and learn how to be confident and how to be a good conversationalist and things like that. It's another thing to have a sleaze bag looking out your eyes and in your ears going, now tell her this and tell her this. And then they're all going to watch while they go to bed later. And it's sleazy. I, well, yes, but on, you know, to be fair, on some level, uh, I just want to be told what to do. Fair enough, but right? this is not <laughs> I, you know, the I, way to I, do that. It's a way of talking to people and socializing and being outgoing without taking any responsibility myself whatsoever, <laughs> and that's so freeing. I would ju- I would have jumped on this. I'm much more confident, self confident now, uh, you know, especially that I'm married. But uh, in my twenties, absolutely would have done this. I actually there's versions of this. You know, you know, when you go out to uh, go out to a bar and you want to try and meet somebody, you know who you bring as a wingman. John Ham, a hot chick. Oh. You bring you the 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 most good looking girlfriend <laughs> that you could find, and you bring her to the bar with you. Okay, that's the secret. Okay, uh, that's and fine. have her tell you what to do. That's right. That because just... girls, you know, women when they're looking at other women, they're like, "No, nah, don't forget her. She's a sleaze bucket. Don't you forget about that." Like, no, no, go talk to her. She seems nice. You know, they have they're a little more in tune to that kind of thing than I am, of course. <laughs> well. Obviously, you have the world and life in general figured out way more than I ever did. <laughs> but um, that your, your your example here is less sleazy. At least it's all up front, and you're there, and no one is is I don't know. No one. It's just there's nothing that mischievous about it. That way, if I had if I John, had access to Bluetooth in my twenties, I would have used it. Oh, good lord, man! Bluetooth earpiece, going out talking to girls, I would have done it. I tell you. <laughs> fine, fine. I think you and I can disagree on this. I think it's weird, and um, uh, I think it's a little bit sleazy. It's sort of like role-playing, right? If you can you come know, up... playing... If you can come up with a persona and you want to walk around and pretend to be that person, I'm not saying, I don't think that's going to work out for you in the long run, but I don't care. Do that if you want. It makes you feel good, whatever. But... This dude that John Hamm is controlling, essentially, his name was Harry, he's not even trying. He's just like, I'm going to pay this guy to be me, and I'll end up in bed with a girl. Unfortunately, I get murdered in the end, but, you know, he's not even trying. He's not even giving it the old college effort. Well, yeah, there's, there's it's not just the, uh, you know, telling him what to do, right? Like, th- that aspect is there, but you've also got this, uh, you know, this... Uh, group of people and it's it's not just this uh group of people watching him this is a um uh it's like a support team almost it's a support team but they took turns right right like it wasn't just like he wasn't just being watched by these uh seven or eight perverts and john ham it was john ham running this team of people yes where they took turns uh you know being the peanut gallery and took turns going out to bars Right. So it, it, it's kind of just this fun uh, group of like an AV club, but only for, uh, you know, having people tell you what to do when you're picking up girls. It's not just that, but it's also the research team, right? Like he was doing research and all the people that he was looking at, like uh, when he went to, he went to this office Christmas party where he obviously didn't work at that, o- that particular office and every person he looked at or talked to, John Hamm was doing research on him on social media. So go call his name is uh, Desmond or whatever the hell his name is. And uh, you met him at this party because he saw the pictures of that party on social media. So it was, it was the research aspect to it where you 
You know, you seem like you have all the information in the world. Well, and I like that aspect to it too. Okay. I want to move on, but I can't believe you don't find that even worse. <laughs> it's like a group of people who are taking advantage of people unfairly. By using public information. Yeah, well. Like they didn't find anything on the lady that ended up killing him because she completely blocked her profile and they couldn't find out that A, she's crazy, B, suicidal, and C, has some kind of fast acting poison that all you need to do is take a sip of it and you're going to die. But, you know, future technology, you know, better living through chemicals. I'm sure they have lots of research <laughs> done in, in poisoning people. Future poison, exactly. Future yep. poison. Okay. Um, can we move on? We can move on. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, you can find Jason in bars with Bluetooth in his head later oh, on the weekend. You know how long it's been since I've been to a bar? <laughs> yes, I know. I know. You and I have been to bars together, but not for a long time. Yeah. Um, where? Okay, so that's what John Hamm, we find out he's doing at the beginning, but we find out his real job is, and I don't know if you're going to be able to argue this with me too, but I think... Um, arguably worse than the sleazebag pickup artist that he was. <laughs> it is worse. Because he... It's a torture artist for virtual people. That's right. So what happens when you put people's personalities into these cookies is that they don't want to do it. They're they're basically forced into... In, they're intelligent AI, and they're forced into this life of servitude in a blank white room operating a console just running their real-life counterpart's life. And they don't yep. want to do it. So they have to be tortured into doing this by basically being made to do nothing for extended periods of time before they agree to get to work. And John Hamm's job is to basically force this nothingness on them until they agree to work. Yep. And that's equally, I mean, that's more terrifying, if you ask me, that you can be copied into one of these things. And the idea that people would do this to their own selves, which is weird because... They still exist as real human beings, but they don't even have enough respect for their their own being that they wouldn't do this to themselves, which is they may a not weird concept. Know. They may not know the extent of what's happening because it's all John Hamm that's doing the training, right? They may think that just this, here's this thing uh, called a cookie. You put it in my brain for a little while. It learns about me and eventually it, you, you take it and you plug it into this little egg and it, it runs all the shit in my house. You know, you don't, maybe you don't know that it's a complete copy of your consciousness that is sentient. Maybe they just, maybe she didn't know. Okay. I could John, see that. I mean, I, John I, Hamm knows. I, yes. And, and the company or whoever he works for knows. So I can see that that might be sensitive information that they protect. I feel like it would get out eventually though. So they couldn't do this forever. Um, but as it stands in this episode, I guess we don't really know whether or not the general public understands what's really happening here. But from a viewer's standpoint, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that occurred to me is I am on the verge. I'm very close to buying one of these Amazon Echo devices. I'm going to get one when I'm down in the States in a couple of weeks. And it's, you know, obviously this is the real world and we are not at the level of Black Mirror yet, but this is a device that sits in your kitchen or wherever you can talk to it. It can look stuff up on the internet. It's all voice controlled and it feels like a little extension of this. It's a physical device that has an artificial intelligence in it that kind of helps me run my life. And it's a, co it's a weird coincidence that I watched this episode right before I'm going to buy one of these. I could not make 
Like, I couldn't separate the two. I'm thinking, man, I'm about to get one of these. I'm just lucky it's not me in there. Yeah. Well, don't put yourself in there. No, I'm going to And, and not. you should be okay. Do not insert yourself into Amazon Echo. Yeah. Please do not copy your personality into the Amazon <laughs> Echo. It is not advised. Incidentally, if there's any Americans listening, which I'm sure there are, should I buy an Amazon Echo or a Dot? I think I want to buy the Dot because it connects to a different Bluetooth speaker, which I already have a really good one. Um, but I don't know. And also I'm in Canada, so I got to fits with it to make it, futz with it to make it work a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, that's a whole different thing. Um, so we find out that John Hamm is this, this sort of AI torturer. And ultimately what happens is that him and, um, Joe, who are in the snow land, aren't really there. Joe, it turns out, is a cookie version of the real Joe. And John Hamm is in there because he's good at manipulating people, and the police have hired him to get a confession out of Joe for some murders. Yes. Which he ultimately does. And Joe's story is one of the most tragic of the whole of the whole episode, because in a nutshell, basically, he's in love with a girl. She gets pregnant. They argue about it. He blocks her. Sorry. She, she blocks him. She blocks him. Yeah. Um, and then... He thinks she has the baby. He's never met his daughter. When, uh, after years go by of him basically spying on them, although he can't really do that because all he sees is this blocked silhouette of, um, of, uh, his girlfriend and the, the kid. Um, when eventually after years, she's killed in a train crash which removes the block so he can now see the kid. He approaches the child and finds out it's not even his baby. Yep. <laughs> and it kind of goes on like this. He ends up accidentally murdering her father, and then the girl runs out and freezes to death in the in the snow. It's It was just all so depressing. It was. And it could have been completely averted by one simple phrase. Please unblock me. It's not your baby. <laughs> like, well, how yeah. cruel do you have to be to leave him, block him, and continue to make him think that it's his baby? Like, holy fucking shit, lady. Just <laughs> tell him that it's not your baby. Problem goes away. Yes, he's still hurt. Yes, you can still block him. But God damn it. Like, what a cruel thing to do to this poor bastard, ultimately resulting in the death of your father and your daughter. And Jesus. by that time, you're already dead. Yeah, well, who cares about that? But, okay. You know, because, you know, she's dead. She doesn't care. But, you know, she may care that this one simple phrase unuttered for six years or however long, four years, uh, ends up in the death of her daughter. I mean, holy crap. You know, be honest with people. Like, even though it's, you know, a little cruel, I I got pregnant. I don't love you. It's not your baby. I'm leaving. Oh, well, no, don't do that. I'm not, oh, well, you're blocked. Yeah, well, nope. he was, she was too afraid to do that. And what she wanted to do was have an abortion instead and just make the whole problem go away, if, you know, I, if I can put it like that. Uh, but after she blocks him, I guess she changes her mind and doesn't do that. And it turns out it's their friend's baby and yep. and everything spirals out of control. But I just felt so bad for for Joe. And, and like the way you describe it, it's kind of like it would all be avoided if, if she just done this and that kind of makes the whole thing sort of stupid and silly, but, and I can see that, but it's, 
it's just not with the way it's done within the episode almost. I didn't think yeah. so anyways. And the way it connects into what John Hamm is doing and what they're actually doing there in that you know, frozen locate frozen kitchen location. Um it it really worked really well for me. And super tragic and depressing, but I I also loved it all. Yeah. It it's also tied into one of my absolute horror horror fears that I have right now. Like what happens if you know what happens to Jasper if Jenny and I both die in the night? Like Yeah. Holy holy shit. That just that freaks me out just saying it. Oh, I know. It's every parent think goes through that at some point or another. Luckily the chances of that happening are really low. Yeah. I mean if you know Jenny and I are gonna die, most likely all three of us are gonna die. Right? Uh, all at once, yeah. Yeah, all at once. But you know, holy shit. Like Jasper's unable to you know, he's he's only five months old on Saturday and uh, he's not able to take care of himself quite. No, I mean, he's almost there, I'm sure. He's a good baby, but, sure. <laughs> you know, he really doesn't have a concept of, uh, geez, I got to go down to the fridge and heat up a bottle and then, uh, you know, eat the bottle and then go to sleep. And <laughs> no, he's not really ready for that kind of responsibility yet. Right. He's pretty independent, but, sure. uh, you know, not completely yet. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, um, super depressing, but just so well done. The the, the, my favorite thing about this this whole story is just how it was told and how the different stories interconnected with each other. The way, um, the way the the uh, information was revealed about the two characters, kind of via flashbacks, but more like them telling their story to each other. And yeah. then at the end, you know, once John Ham comes out of the kitchen, and we find out that you know that was just cookie a cookie version of Joe. And John Hamm was in there to get a confession for the murder of, well, uh, Joe's girlfriend's father and, you know, his non-daughter. It's all, it's all fantastic. And then to have the sort of double twist of John Hamm also being a criminal because he didn't report the murder of Harry and having the world blocked to him was just, just horrifying. So yeah. I don't know. Overall, I, it's funny to say, like, the whole episode just terrified and horrified me, and I loved every minute of it. Yeah. So I think that is, that's it. Anything else to say about uh, Black Mirror White Christmas? No, it was good. Really, really good. Um, thanks again to Sean for uh, recommending that we um, watch it and review it, and of course for his extremely generous Patreon contribution. If you'd like to choose something for us to uh, to watch and talk about, visit patreon.com slash the talking dead and uh, you can do it too. Just a note on that. It's it's not, you know, the, the level at which we are asking people to donate to do this sort of thing, we don't expect you to do this month over month. It is a significant amount and we expect you to sign up one month at that level We'll work together to find something that you want us to review, and then you can jump off of Patreon or drop down to a more <laughs> reasonable monthly contribution. So, yeah. you know, we're not obviously expecting anyone to stay up at that uh, that level month over month. So um, check it out, uh, patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, and hopefully we get to do this again sometime. Yeah, it was fun. It is good. So just really quick, um, I want to talk about just some of the other episodes of Black Mirror uh, super fast. I'm going to go through the um, the seasons really quick. Um, season one starts with an episode called The National Anthem, which I said earlier is very out there and deals with some subject matter that I can understand why some people would find offensive and upsetting. 
but I recommend it. And if you can get through that episode, there is amazing stuff to come. Uh, the second one is called 15 Million Merits, is pretty good. But the third one, An Entire History of You, I thought was uh, fantastic, um, involving memory implants. So really, really cool. Um, season two, which you haven't watched, right? Most of? Just uh, just, just uh, the Christmas special that uh, Netflix has lumped into season two. That we just finished talking about. Yeah, uh, you might have heard of it. It's called uh, White Christmas. Yeah, exactly. On this show called Black Mirror. <laughs> Very good. Uh, season two starts with an episode called Be Right Back, which is um, fantastic. It stars a couple of people you might know called Haley Atwell and Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason was in The Force Awakens. It's a really good episode, one of my favorites. The next two, White Bear and The Waldo Moment, are actually not my favorites. Both good, but, um, I don't, didn't think quite at the level of, um, of some of the other ones. Then, of course, season two ends with, uh, White Christmas. Season three, which is the Netflix season that is most recent, has six episodes, and I think all of them are very good to amazing. The weakest probably being the second one and the sixth one. The second one was called Playtest. Cool episode, but it didn't do a lot for me. And the last one called Hated in the Nation, which I thought was really a slightly weaker one just with um sort of a old-timey horror movie trope thing going about killer bees so not my favorite but there's one in the middle the fourth episode called san junipero which is a freaking masterpiece it was a good good episode i loved it so much it was one of the greatest things i've ever seen i i think i could probably watch it over and over again. Um, so as you can imagine, I, I highly recommend it. It stars Mackenzie Davis, um, who you've probably seen before. And it's just, I almost can't even describe how good I thought it was. So amazing. Uh, Shut Up and Dance is a little bit different than um, the other, a lot of the other episodes. It's kind of more of a an action thriller almost, uh, but I thought it was pretty good. And Nosedive, the first one, was a pretty serious examination of where, you know, current day social media might go. And uh, I thought it was, you know, if nothing else, really entertaining to watch. And it stars um, Bryce Dallas Howard in a fantastic yep. role. She's really, really good at it. She did a good job. Yeah. And Alice Eve, too, uh, who you'll remember from uh, one of the new Star Trek movies. So... Overall, though, I just I just love this show, and they haven't really done anything that I haven't thought was at least quite good to this point. So I'm really excited for for more of it to come. And season four has been renewed for Netflix. Oh, good. Did you have anything else to say about any of the other episodes before we liked liked them in various levels? <laughs> as as did you. All right, good. Except for San Junipero, best thing I've ever seen. It was good. I don't think I loved it as much as you did, but it was very good. All right, good. Check it out. If you guys want to let us know what you think of Black Mirror, I'd love to hear it um, about uh, White Christmas or any of the other episodes. To be honest, Jason, it kind of makes me want to do a whole Black Mirror podcast because it's it would just be so much fun to talk about each of these episodes individually and the, the technology they portray and you know how it relates to current day and so... Yeah. Got to think about that. Okay, um, let's, uh, as I promised, let's do a quick round of this before we call it a night. 
The Walking Dead News. All right, just a couple of items in The Walking Dead News, if you can uh, stomach it, Jason. <laughs> I believe I can, Chris. <laughs> okay, good. Um, AMC has greenlit a new series that is not directly Walking Dead related, but it will apparently explore the science <laughs> behind the Walking Dead zombies. Uh, is it like a Bill Nye the zombie science guy kind of show? Well, like, not exactly. Is it a comedy? <laughs> I, I, there might, I don't think there's going to be comedy to it, no. So this comes from comicbook.com, and they said in a recent press release... The network, AMC, has announced that they are going forward with a docu-series from legendary filmmaker James Cameron, and the show will aim to put science up next to popular science fiction. The working title for the series is James Cameron's Story of Science Fiction. And it's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and it's going to shine a light on the facts behind everyone's favorite franchises, including The Walking Dead. What the hell is wrong with that guy? But James Cameron is a master filmmaker. He is, but he does things every now and again, like the documentary, uh, 3D documentary, where he goes down to the uh, the Titanic. Yeah. Like an actual documentary. It was not good. I never saw it, so it was not good? It was not good. <laughs> uh, okay. He, what the hell is he doing? Is this Gail Ann Hurd's fault? She was married to the guy. Okay, well, here's here's the press release. The AMC press release said this. From Star Wars and Avatar to Hunger Games and The Walking Dead, sci-fi has become a cornerstone of pop culture. In each episode of James Cameron's story of science fiction, Cameron introduces one of the quote-unquote big questions that humankind has contemplated throughout the ages and reaches back into sci-fi's past to better understand how our favorite films, TV shows, books, and video games were born and where the genre genre and our species might be going in the future. Cameron and his contemporaries, who have helped to fuel sci-fi's spectacular growth over the last several decades, debate the merits, meanings, and impacts of the films and novels that influenced them. Okay, so that's a little bit better, but it's still not great. You know, if okay. it was anybody, if it was just a, a series uh, of documentaries, I'd probably be on board. The fact that James Cameron is attached makes me feel like it's just a self-aggrandizing uh I, i'm not even sure exactly how to, how to phrase it it just it seems like he's doing a vanity television show and it's not really going to be about this stuff it's really going to be about him well i don't know the thing that has me a little bit um a little bit excited for this is it says Cameron and his contemporaries so it's not going to be just him it's going to be him and a bunch of smart filmmakers, you know, hopefully sitting around a table talking about science fiction and the way it has been influenced by real life and the way it influences real life. So go back to the sentence where, he, where it had that. I, I think the sentence was uh, Cameron and his uh, contemporaries have been making science fiction films. Uh, and it, it does not say that he, he's, he's going to sit down with these people. It just says that James Cameron's one of these guys. It says Cameron and his contemporary, contemporaries who have helped to fuel sci-fi spectacular growth over the last several decades, debate the merits, meanings, and impacts okay. of the films and novels that influenced them. All right. So that's better. Yeah. I think that's a little better. That that gives me some hope for this. So it's um, going to be like a the view for sci-fi geeks. Th the problem is, yeah, maybe. Well, no, I doubt <laughs> it. I think it's going to be more of a documentary type thing where they 
show clips from things. They talk about them. They examine their influence on uh, on uh, you know the world. The That's pr- what the View does, but with fashion and. Uh, uh, Okay, fine. I've never watched The View. (laughs) I've never watched The View either, but as long as they have Rosie O'Donnell on this show, I'll be fine. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell and the Cameron show? That's right, yeah. Okay. I don't know about that. I'm not watching. (laughs) Um, The thing I don't quite understand here is there's science fiction, and then there's fantasy, and, you know, science fiction, a movie like 2001 or the matrix or you know um name another science fiction movie <laughs> it's hard i know uh because a lot of them are fantasy star wars is fantasy true but, but star trek is fantasy i'm sorry if if people disagree with me but science fiction is fiction about the science so 2001 blade runner uh the matrix you know, I was so happy that when I saw The Matrix, because it was the first actual science fiction movie I had seen in a long time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Gravity. I was thinking of Gravity. I think Gravity might be a science fiction movie. It's it's uh, it's close if it's if it's not. But anyways, that's the one. Science, with the... It's action, science, action, fiction. Kind adventure. of. Yeah, it's it's sort of more about um, what's her name's uh, character than. Uh, than the than the actual science, um, and by what's her name, I mean Sandra Bullock. But um, yep. but the you know the first few we mentioned are are fine. But I also think a movie like Star Wars or a movie like Star movies like Star Trek, you can get away with 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 including them in this kind of thing because there is science and there is technology in them, and you can look at that and see how it sort of impacts or relates to real world technology or science that we have right so you can sort of do that lord of the rings which is fantasy it is um not as much in my opinion you you can't really include lord of the rings in this in this kind of show nor can you include the walking dead because zombies are not science zombies are for lack of a better term mythological monsters that have come back to destroy us all and I'm not sure how that reconciles with what this press release says they're going to do. It doesn't say science fiction and fantasy? Um, no. Everywhere they say science fiction. James Cameron's story of science fiction. Uh, from Star Wars and Avatar to The Hunger Games and The Walking Dead, sci-fi has become a cornerstone of pop culture. Okay, so... And let's, and let's be honest. Star Wars, Avatar, The Hunger Games, and The Walking Dead... Avatar is the only thing that's maybe science fiction in that list, and I'm not, not a, a I'm not an Avatar fan. I'm I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that Avatar is science fiction either. Well, because I, I said maybe. The, the, yeah, well, the 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 litmus test that I use, I'm not sure if this is a valid litmus test, but uh, when I when I look at a story and I try debate whether or not it's science fiction or fantasy, I ask myself, is it possible to tell this story? in a different genre. Could this be a Western? You know, and Star Wars? Yes. It could be a Western. You could tell the same story in a Western setting. For sure. I've had people try to argue with me that Star Wars is a Western. And and I don't... Space opera. It's space Western. You have to proceed it with space, (laughs) I think. Uh, But anyways, you're right. 2001 A Space Odyssey? You could not tell that story as a Western. No, you could not, or really anything other than what it is. 
Yeah, it's science fiction, mm-hmm. actual science fiction. So I agree with you that James Cameron uh, talking about science fiction shows, if zombies come up, they better start talking about orcs and liches and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Draco liches and stuff like that. You know, bring in D&D and talk about that kind of stuff because that's all fantasy. Right. So the way I think this show is going to go is that some of the episodes might be interesting when they stick to sci-fi. And then we're going to have the episodes about things like The Walking Dead, which are going to be more sort of ridiculous entertainment. To be honest, the kind of thing we do sometimes around here where we assume or pretend zombies are real and we talk about how you'd survive the zombie apocalypse. Okay, so now that you've said that, think about when we went to uh, Walker Stalker Con a number of years ago, what was one of the best panels that we went to? The uh, podcaster panel where we're... (laughs) No, that was the one we were in. Oh, sorry. What was the best... One of the best panels that we actually went to. The, was it the zombies and philosophy one or whatever it was was called? Yeah. Yeah. They talked about the philosophy behind zombies. Right. And it was fascinating. Uh, So maybe by uh, assembling this group of uh, science fiction and fantasy, uh, you know, industry professionals, uh, you know, I'm not going to say which ones are sci-fi and which ones are fantasy, (laughs) just science fiction and fantasy industry professionals, having them talk about the ideas behind zombies might be interesting. Yes. Like but they that, might be talking about the science. What could possibly uh, account for this, uh, you know, mutation in humanity, uh, you know, and what are the ramifications? Right. Like uh, simply biologically, zombies don't make any sense because in order for a zombie to procreate, they have to kill. Right. So that's, you know, the, the urge to procreate yep. is there. Yep. So it's biological, but, uh, you know, they have to actually kill the host in order to procreate. And is that, does that make sense? You know, from a biological standpoint, maybe, maybe not, you know, and they, uh, they sort of, uh, at the beginning of, or the end of, uh, the first season, they kind of started to explain what was happening with, uh, Noah Emmerich was uh, yep. Dr. Jenner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was kind of saying it's sort of like meningitis where you die, but the, the you know, the core, you know, low, low brain uh, takes over again without the higher functions attached. Yeah. Right? So, and what accounts for that? So I think that, uh, you know, maybe if they went into a science explanation of some aspects of the zombie genre could be interesting. Okay, well, two two things about that. Number one, uh, Kirkman has said the thing he regrets the most doing on this show is introducing yeah. those ideas at the end of season one because he doesn't want to explain zombies to anybody and, and how it works. And number two, I think what you're saying is whether this James Cameron show works or not will come down to how they frame the conversation. Yeah, it's going right? to turn into a shit show and it's going to be a pile of crap. And I think it's going to be about James Cameron and uh, how awesome he thinks he is. Well, that's not going to be good. But if if they can if they can approach these fantastical elements like zombies from a science a science scientific standpoint and say you know zombies aren't real, but the closest we could get that we know of would be this, 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 and this sort of thing. And, and you know, here are some examples of this from real world nature. Um, 
but then the other episodes where if they're they're doing 2001 or the matrix and talking about the science or the uh, technology involved i think that could be interesting to get you know master filmmakers takes on this kind of thing so you gotta remember that james cameron uh you know he did aliens and uh some the abyss, the <laughs> some abyss. other stuff. Yeah. That was science fiction, sort yeah, of. Yeah, sort of. I like, I love the abyss. It's one of my go-to movies when I when I need something on that uh, I just I want to feel good about watching something. I throw on the abyss. I love the abyss. See, it's good stuff. So, anyways, this went way longer than I thought it would, but it's a new AMC series, and uh, we may get some scientific explanation for the zombies. I think James Cameron should stick to storytelling. I don't think he should do documentary or docudrama bullshit, I think that the fact that he's attached <laughs> to this worries me. I think that this is a good idea, and I think the execution is going to get all fucked up, and it's going to turn into, uh, what are those alien, ancient aliens shows where they try and prove that aliens have been around for hundreds of years? and uh, Or, or millions prove, of years, and they- Or millions of years, and they created the pyramids, and there's right. these things that you can only see from space, and why would humans make something that you could only see from space, or you can't see anything from space? You can't even see the Great Wall of China from space. That's bullshit, by the way. Is that really? I thought that it, was true. It you need you can't not with the naked eye. And, uh, you know yeah. what's the point? You know they could have uh, the satellites that uh, can look at my, you know whether or not I shave my eyebrows, uh, <laughs> as but you can't do it with the naked eye. And we all know you shave your eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, well the answer is not. I don't <laughs> shave my eyebrows. But, you know, but you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You would be able to tell that from the International Space Station with the right telescope. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go to our second and final <laughs> uh, news item today, and that is that, um, did you know, Jason, that all along, for six years now, a company called Tops, which is a trading card company, baseball cards, hockey cards, sports cards, they have been releasing Walking Dead collector cards? I did not know this. I don't think I did either, and I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast for some reason and we've talked about a lot of things on this podcast so apparently tops has been putting out sets of walking dead trading cards and the season six cards are scheduled for release not for a while yet actually on june 14th 2017 um but they're kind of cool and i must admit that if i had known that these were out there all along I might have been collecting them. Uh, I, I think I might have too. I have a feeling that I may have been collecting them. They're basically just like baseball cards where, you know, the characters' pictures on there and there's probably some stats on the back or something ah, like cool. that. What their ERA is and stuff? Maybe. I don't know. But um, season six cards are coming out this year. And there'll be cards for characters like Jesse, who was Alexandra Breckenridge, of course. Uh, Abraham, Sam, Jesse's uh, son, Deanna Monroe, Michonne, Sasha, Eugene, Negan. Um, Negan's batting a thousand, I bet. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> um, uh, Daryl, we got Jesus, we've got uh, the Alpha Wolf, that dude. So like they've got they've got everybody, and and um, there's going to be you know a limited set of autographed cards autographed cards from you know the the actors and the personalities from the show and then there's going to be something called parallel versions of the autographed cards and it says here on undeadwalking.com each version of the card will have a different rarity ranging from only 99 of them being made to just one 
and they are individually numbered and will come in the following variants. Uh, rust, <laughs> mud, mold, sepia, and blood. And nice. the blood variant is the one. So if you get the blood variant of a card, that is the only one in existence. That's a really good idea. So pretty valuable, I would say. Um, but it just, it's it's cool. So it's it's a whole thing. And I'm going to go look for these now. I imagine some of the earlier ones are all long gone, but uh, I might have to get back into card collecting. I think. I'm excited about this too. Let me know if you find them anywhere. I, I will. Yeah, I might take a look. So, um, I you know, there's probably lots out there. I'm going to look them up a little bit more. But uh, if if this is your sort of thing, and for some reason you haven't heard about this, then uh, Season 6 comes out June 14, 2017 from Tops, And uh, I'm excited. So there you go. Okay, no more Walking Dead news. And I think no more of this podcast for now. So, um we got to shut this shit down. <laughs> we, we do. I got to isolate that, actually. We're going to use that in the, in the outro of every episode from now on. Uh, what's, uh, what am I going to do? So if you want to get in touch with us, everyone, you certainly can do that. Send your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and uh, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or on Twitter at talkingdead. And you can find all the other episodes of this podcast at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Com. Remember to send in your entries for our Record Your Favorite Scene contest. If you have any questions about that, just fire me an email and I will do my best to answer them. And uh, we will be back probably at least one more time before the Season 7 resumes, which is just under a month away now. Well, four days under a month. It comes back on February 12th. Mm-hmm. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Yeah, what day is Valentine's Day? February February 14th, you chump. 14. You don't celebrate Valentine's Day, crazy rat bastard. You're just jealous I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. A little bit. (laughs) No, I I don't need to. Uh, The the wife told me a long time ago that this is just a stupid holiday. We don't need to do this every year. So good work. I'm I'm off the hook. Uh, Just in time for Valentine's Day, but uh, I think we will do a podcast between now and then. The topic of that is yet to be decided, so um, we'll find out soon enough. All right, let's uh, call it a night here. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. We got to shut this shit down.